0: Hey everybody MJ here just a quick heads up if you didn't hear me say it last week or if you're confused why I put three chapters up in one day I wrote this story a decade and some change ago and I really think and always have thought that chapter 15 to 17 are best enjoyed in a sequence I didn't know exactly how to structure that I didn't want to make an episode that was like an hour long plus change narrators a third of the way through it so this is basically part one of a three-part beam Chronicles extravaganza I'm going to do a previously on section before this episode to remind you of some stuff from like chapter three, and also a thank you for listening section after chapter 17, just to make the experience a little snappier. I'll skip each of those sections for the two other chapters. Hopefully that makes sense. And I hope you enjoy. Previously on the Beam Chronicles.
1: He generates the force carrier, Charlie. Jackson controls the whole particle field. The tegak interaction didn't even occur until he started filling the universe with the bosons to mediate it. And I'm calling those Jacksons.
2: Like I can ungroup just about anything and not put it back together again. Bigger things take me longer and whack up my body a little, nausea,
1: numbness, and just general gross feeling. I call it OGS, overgrouping syndrome. I call it The catch. It's using the tiki interaction to float the pen. Uh, Imagine how valuable this thing could be in the field, catching falling equalizers or bombs and whatnot.
0: Are we gonna go get him now?
2: Yeah, evals. Not us.
3: These are the Beam
0: Chronicles, with your host, MJ Dooney. One Initiation, Chapter 15, Charlie Shade. (laughs) Okay, I've been here eight months. No joke, this is literally the first time I've even considered whether or not Murphy is his first or last name. Uh, dude.
1: I've been here almost three years, and I don't know, he's always just been Murph.
3: Hell, this is
0: my fourth, and I don't know either. Sid, I'm I'm sure you got a formal introduction, right? You do that thing where you insist on it. When you met Murphy, asked him his name, how did he introduce himself?
3: He informed me that his name was Murphy, just Murphy. Perhaps he has no first or last name, just one name, Brazilian athletes, for example, often take on singular monikers.
1: Yeah, Murphy's not a Brazilian athlete. I mean, I I think it's pretty obviously his last name, but that just makes me super curious what his first name
0: is. A factor none of you are considering, though, is that Howie calls him Murphy, too. And remember Howie's rule about only calling people what their mothers call them? So what are the odds that Murphy's mom called him Murphy if that's his last
3: name? No, come on, that's irrelevant. Murphy's older than Howie. I'm sure that rule doesn't apply to him. He's probably just got an embarrassing first name. Your last name can't be embarrassing.
2: It was a really dumb conversation, and usually the sort I would group away from to watch grass grow. But it was one of those rare occasions when all five of us had a little time to do nothing. So we decided to do it together, up in Phil's lab. Just a casual hangout, a bunch of kids chatting about pointless things and sitting around almost real life, almost the way a group of people from 16 to 22 years old were supposed to and deserved to act. As we each offered our predictions for Murphy's embarrassing name, laughing and being stupid, it was actually hard to fathom we were a bunch of tortured, coerced, hypocrite murderers And looking around the room at my new little clique, a clique I had inadvertently and unfathomably become an integral member of, I realized I was happier than I'd been in a very long time, like legitimately deeply pleased, in spite of all the bullshit. It was enough for just those few minutes to make me forget about the coercion and the hypocrisy and the murder. I felt pleasant, but I didn't even know why specifically. We hadn't come off some big bust lately. Phil hadn't made some startling new discovery. JT and Caraway were as annoyingly affectionate as ever. Howie was still an evil self-serving asshole. Murphy was still a relentless type A control freak. Sid was still a weirdo and had only gotten weirder since he and Phil rekindled their brotherhood or whatever. There was nothing in particular about that day that warranted the rare moment of contentment I felt with my life. It was just a good day and those were uncommon enough to savor. Little did I know, after Beam had punched thousands of anomalies over 13 years of existence, today would be the first time in history one of them punched back right at our home turf, right at Beam HQ. And for some reason on that particular good day, I felt like we didn't deserve it. You guys do realize, I finally chipped into the Murphy last name, first name debate, That Phil's head of RT. His computer probably has access to personnel files. There was a moment of silent hesitation as the group contemplated whether or not the wrath we'd face from Murphy for discovering it would outweigh the torture of not knowing. But like I said, just a moment, and then we all broke for Phil's main system. A wall of monitors and displays almost too complicated to be useful. Naturally, I gripped there first and started rummaging around for information as Phil shouted protests amongst the stampeding horde. Come on, Charlie, it's my
1: computer! I get to do the piloting, it's my computer!
2: But something quickly distracted me from our noble quest. Hey, Phil, I asked when the whole team was gathered around, what are these little dots on this screen over here? He pushed his way to the front of the crowd, furrowing his brow, and leaned over the desk I was sitting at, boots up on the table, reclined and relaxed. He shoved my boots off, which would have made me mad if he didn't look so concerned
1: uh this is radar for hq actually these are aircrafts
2: Uh aha i vacated the chair and let him sit down hey phil are the aircrafts flying right at our building
1: hold on i'm trying to talk to him
2: He started punching on the keyboard while the rest of the room watched, concerned. I closed my eyes and plugged my ears, trying to pin down the jets with sixing. It wasn't an easy task, they were still a long way out, and I'd never sixed them before, so I didn't really know what I was scanning for, but eventually, I got them. Nothing else out there was that close, that big, going that fast, and shaped like dragonflies. Fuck, another anomaly obsessed with bugs. We had three big, uh, dragonfly-shaped things inbound, and I... Don't think there's any pilots flying them.
3: Are we under attack, brother?
0: I don't know. How the hell are they locked in on us? Isn't Beam HQ's location top secret? Isn't this restricted airspace? Yes, yes, but it's worse than that.
1: Even if they knew our location exactly, our defenses would be gumming up their GPS right now to send them 20 miles into the ocean. If these drones are unmanned, like Charlie suggests- They are. I interrupted not super into him doubting my sixth sense. They're unmanned. So they're tracking something. He basically ignored me. Well, But we don't put out any signals that they could track. We're silent, cloaked, the whole nine. I did it myself. Not to mention, we have defensive security protocols to shoot unauthorized aircrafts down that they just completely bypassed, maybe even disabled. They shouldn't know where we are, they shouldn't be getting this close without getting mailed, and they shouldn't be able to lock onto us. They're doing all three. I don't know how any of that is happening. That's the bad news. The good news is whoever this is has the security of a middle-aged soccer mom whose computer just came with antivirus and she never updated it. This asshole basically left me an entire roadmap to his system without covering any of his tracks. He's practically broadcasting it. It's just a matter of finishing decryption, and then I'll I'll probably know how in the hell he's doing all this.
2: Probably, I asked. So in the meantime, we should just, what, wait for the enormous bugs to attack HQ?
3: Hey, Phil, uh, Murphy.
2: Phil's comm was synced to the overhead speakers of his lab.
3: Look, I'm getting strange reports from a couple of field teams, local police and the military, that you got some, uh, big bug tanks or some such nonsense coming into HQ. A one beetle, one spider, and an ant? Is this some kind of joke or a weird... bill thing?
2: Murphy, it's Charlie. We think we're being attacked.
3: By beetles?
2: And dragonflies, three of each, at least from what I can sketchily six up here. And Phil says our defenses are on total lockdown. In the meantime, possibly related.
3: What in that? You told Owie? We?
2: We're still trying to figure out what's going on. The drones are tracking something, but we
1: can't figure out specifically what. Oh, got, got it. I'll spare you the details because we're all gonna die soon. It's Jacksons. The navigation for the plane. It's tracking Jacksons.
3: I am confused. Is there more than one Jackson? Why have I not met the other Jacksons?
2: I ignored Sidney's obtuse question. You mean, Jackson's the particles? No, Phil, that's impossible. You discovered Jackson's. How the fuck are they tracking Jackson's if nobody knows about them but you? I thought you said nobody
1: knew about them but you. Yeah, and nobody did know about them but me. Someone must have detected them in the field or something. They must have gotten some sort of reading off Jackson, picked up the energy of the force carrier particles, and sent the bugs to follow that. Who the hell has that kind of technology, though? It took me two weeks of intense research to discover Jackson's, and the source was right in front of me. Whatever, shoot them down manually. You can do that, right? Can't. I'm getting some truly bonkers readings off of these things. Odds are good they're packing something pretty spicy weapons-wise. So if the dragonflies crash, we're nuked if they deploy the bombs and they drop below a certain altitude, we're nuked. And seriously, even with the gap between us and the capital proper, the explosion could kill everybody. It's that unbelievable. So basically, somebody just hooked up their unmanned aircrafts with their homemade doomsday bombs, locked them onto Jackson Teague, sent their bug tanks along for good measure, leapfrogged all our security, and now they're gonna blow us off the map. Even if they have to take everyone in the capital with us. Talk about sending in the cavalry, we must have really pissed this guy off.
0: Guys, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? (laughs) Jackson stood petrified
2: in the center of the lab, wiggling around like he had spiders all over his body. I strutted up to him, grabbing his shoulders and shook him. Turn it off! Stop making them! Stop making Jacksons! Jackson nodded nervously. All right, all right, all right. He bent his knees into a squat, squeezing his eyes shut, puffing out his cheeks, and holding his hands at either side of him, clenched into fists. Uh, is, is that really how you stop making them? I don't know!
3: He appears to be defecating.
2: Yeah, Sid's right. I said stop making Jacksons, not shit yourself in the middle of the room. I don't think I
0: can just stop making them! I've never done that before! Okay, let me try something else, hold on.
2: He changed only his face, this time baring his teeth and opening his eyes as wide as he could. He started to turn red, like he was about to blow a gasket. It still kinda looks like you're pooping, honey. I think it's the squat.
1: Why the fuck do you think you have to squat?
3: Perhaps he stops generating the particle field when he is defecating. Jackson, quickly, go to the toilet. It is our only chance.
1: Guys, sorry to break up this super productive conversation, but we got impact in like three minutes, so unless you seriously think taking a dump is going to stop us from getting fucked three ways to Sunday, it'd be nice if someone came up with a real plan. Okay. How fast do they go? What, the dragonflies? I don't know. Jet speed.
0: Mach 1, maybe? So I'm faster. Right?
1: There was a moment's
2: pause while everyone pieced together his badass implication. No, 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 no. shook her head violently. Bad idea. Not
3: happening.
0: Bad. Maria, they're tracking me. Phil says they have a <laughs> crazy payload, plus we have the grounded ones to worry about as well. I can outmaneuver them, keep them from colliding with anything. I'm fast, and I'm good, and they're tracking me, just me. If I just keep them busy, keep them from crashing, fly them around in circles for a while, it'll buy time for Charlie and Sid to take care of the others. Then we'll come up with something from there. Ooh, is this your authority voice,
2: JT? I kind of like it. Caraway scowled at me, an uncommon enough sight to shut me
0: up. Maria, I know I can do it. I have the speed, the stamina, maneuverability, and it'll just be temporary, half hour max. Uh, this is Charlie and Sydney we're talking about. They could probably take down three tanks in like 15 minutes.
3: I actually do not know what sort of thing a tank is, but I will make haste in destroying them.
0: Caraway grabbed either side of
2: his face, trying not to cry. I suppressed the mother of all gags. Jackson, I still think this is a terrible idea. Well, I think it's a fantastic idea.
0: Yeah, I really wish that was the other way around. Two minutes,
2: not like we have another plan here, guys. You could always go take a shit. No love for the tension-breaking, scatological comedy with this crowd. All right. GT exhaled, pumping up for his dogfight.
0: Phil, maybe if you could open me up a window to fly out of so I don't have to break the...
2: He was interrupted by the shattering of glass as my man Sid, impatient with the wringing of hands and willing to destroy a big beetle robot, threw himself out of a window at random, plummeting from the top floor of HQ.
3: I am slowing my descent with friction against the building, friends.
2: The childlike wonderment in his voice rang out over the loudspeaker hooked up to Phil's comm.
3: Do not think that I am suicidal. The battle has begun.
2: I love that guy. I mused aloud, though primarily to myself. All right, JT. Fly fast and good luck. I know you'll be fine. I patted his chest and smiled reassuringly. He nervously nodded. And Phil, get us a way to take these drones down safely. Do that fast too. I'm gonna go get the, uh, let's see, spider? I'll be right back. I gripped out of the building. I got six, Sid, rampaging like a madman toward the beetle tank approaching us from the west. The other two were coming from the north and the south, meaning none of them actually traveled through the city, which I guess was a good thing. On a mental coin flip, I chose the south and reassembled myself a few feet in front of the monstrosity. If things weren't so intense in that moment... If I couldn't physically see JT deploying evasive maneuvers above me as three unmanned, possibly nuclear dragonfly robots hauled after him, I would've taken a brief moment to appreciate that it was a fucking 15-foot robot spider. As things stood, I was more concerned with how exactly I was going to stop it. People gave me vague as hell commands like, stop a 15-foot robot spider all the time, and relied on my resourcefulness to construct a solution, but I didn't really see how my blistering speed and perfect precision would help me out of this one. After grouping around it, and inside of it, looking for an on-off switch or a self-destruct button to no avail, I realized this may require a bit more brute force than I was accustomed to deploying. I had never ungrouped something that big before. I knew it would take upwards of two minutes. I knew I had to be in contact with it, and I knew the whole time I was doing it, everything about me would be telling me to stop. The overgrouping syndrome from this would probably knock me on my ass for a while, but there weren't exactly a lot of ways to halt this thing, short of decomposing it into particulate pieces all at once and letting them waft away on the breeze. Jackson was counting on me to finish as quickly as possible, and I'd always wanted to try taking apart something this big. I gripped on top of it, crouched down, and touched it with both of my hands. At first I wasn't sure I was doing anything, kind of just having a little spider ride. Then I slowly felt it shake, like a low frequency sway. My fingers went numb, then my toes, then my whole body, and I could hear a noise like a game show buzzer getting louder and louder. I felt heavier, then lighter, freezing, then roasting. It was like those dreams where you want to look at something but your head keeps falling down or you're trying to run away from someone but you can't figure out how to stand up. It was frustrating and painful and… itchy. There were moments when I thought parts of the mech had snapped off then flew back on, moments where I felt like I had taken a chunk out of it. For a while, I even thought my own body had ungrouped, maybe showing the spider how it's done, but I'm pretty damn sure none of that was even true. Then in an instant, it all stopped. The robotic spider was gone, and I fell through where it once was to the grass beneath it. I rolled onto my back and stared at the sky. It was as if I'd spent the last 15 minutes vomiting, crying, spinning in circles and ramming my head into a wall. Overall shitty. I would not be ungrouping any more bug tanks anytime soon. I tried to get to my feet, but stumbled back down. Hugging my legs, I sat on the ground, then paged the team for a progress report. This is Shade. One tank down.
3: Two tanks are down.
2: Bullshit. I grouped, prematurely, to his location. My body was still fuzzy, and my vision blurred a bit once I was reassembled next to Sid, I probably should have just delegated all of these things to him, given his proficiency with dispatching this one. The Hercules beetle was lying on its back, wiggling its legs fruitlessly until it just sort of gave up. Sid was standing nearby, admiring his handiwork. When he noticed me behind him, stumbling backward, he reached out a hand to help me.
3: Ah, Charlie, are you alright?
2: I'm fine, bud. I grabbed my head. What'd you, uh, what'd you do here? He grinned, baring his creepy shark teeth.
3: I have determined that these vehicles are propelled by the mechanisms along the side. The friction between the legs and the ground is what makes it go forward. So I have removed contact between the legs and the ground. It seems now the vehicle is immobile.
2: You... flipped it? I did. Fucking A.
3: Is this inadequate solution?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you wanna do it again?
3: Fucking A.
2: He smiled broadly. I was in no shape to group, nor could I bring Sydney with me, even if I was. But he didn't have the ability to six the third ant mech the way I could, so at least I made myself useful as a compass during our piggyback ride 90 degrees around HQ. Sydney actually ran very fast. True, I was used to going quicker, but then I also wasn't running. How's it going, JT? I paged him on the way to the ant. It's
0: going! Don't talk to me!
2: He shouted back pissy. But I could hear the buzzing flutter of the dragonfly's wings roaring in pursuit of him, hot on his tail, even through the comms, so I let him get away with being a little grumpy. Phil, any progress on a plan for the dragonflies? I requested. Charlie, yeah, I was just about to page you. Here's the plan. The catches. Phil, what the fuck are you... Oh, wait.
1: Phil, those catches. Your little things. They use the tea kick interaction. Exactly, they generate jacksons. If we can get the planes to divert their target from jackson to the catches, they'll dive bomb into them and the Tiki interaction will hold them in place, nose first until we shut them off. What about the weapons? You said they were altitude triggered. Yeah, but not until they're deployed. Otherwise, if the drone just happened to dip below altitude on the way over, it'd blow up a random city.
2: True. A curious thought occurred to me in that moment, so I brought it up to Phil. But he could deploy now and we'd be toast, short of a miracle. Hell, the grounded ones didn't fire on us. The flies don't even seem to have guns. If they did, he could have just shot Jackson down, dropped his payload, and voila. I felt a roll in my stomach, and I almost puked on Sid's head. Phil, what if this guy, whoever he is, isn't trying to kill us? He's just trying to... I don't
1: even know, do something else. Possible For now, I I think we should just be thankful it hasn't destroyed us already. We just gotta get the dragonflies safely into the catches before the artillery comes out and we're golden. So how do we
2: get the dragonflies to leave Jackson alone and go for the catches instead?
1: I don't know. Give the catches lots of juice to make them put out as much as possible. That's where I come in, short of that. Uh, Put Sid on top and let them punch them until they dip low enough to correct course. We'll think of something when you get here. If you say so. Alright, we're coming
2: up on the ant tank now. Give us a minute to... But Sid, let me down. Grabbed that bad boy by the front antenna and suplexed it in no time flat. Never mind.
3: These things are quite heavy.
2: You make it look easy, big guy. And now, think you could get back to HQ and fetch some stuff for me?
3: Fucking A.
2: Sydney, that doesn't just mean yes. Remind me, after we eliminate the nuclear threat, we're gonna work on your cussing a little.